Hello and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Podcast. This is Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and we're here to talk all things self-sufficiency. Welcome to episode 5 of the Self-Sufficient Hub Podcast and today we're going to talk about edible perennials. Now, edible perennials are such an important part of self-sufficiency because it's a lot of work to grow your own food and to raise your own food and edible perennials form a part of that self-sufficient food income if you like that over time requires less and less input so it's um, the same amount of work as planting your lettuce this year to plant for example uh, kale but the difference is that the kale won't need planting again next year. It's an edible perennial. So we're going to run through um, a list of edible perennials. It's not exhaustive, and I'm sure at later date we will go into a lot more depth in some of these. But for now, I just wanted to run through just some of the edible perennials that we've got growing here to illustrate just how important they can be for part of your self-sufficient food security. So we're going to start with vegetables, and I'm just going to list four or five that are really key for me. The first one is asparagus. Now, asparagus is hugely important to me because it is something we all love eating. We really enjoy eating it, and it can be the centerpiece of a meal. So if you're um, a carnivore, like I am, you enjoy eating meat asparagus and mushrooms are two things that can take the place of meat in a meal you can make asparagus based main courses and it reduces the the need really to produce as much meat as you might otherwise at least that's how we look at it another reason asparagus is so great is because once you've got yourself your asparagus bed established it will go on for decades giving you a fantastic crop every year so we started with eight crowns that we bought and we're expecting our first harvest this year we put them in two years ago and this is year three and that's really when you can start harvesting there were quite a few spears came up last year but we didn't touch them as tempting as they were we left them so that the energy could remain within the plant and as of this year we should be able to harvest lightly and next year full harvest so from those eight crowns I'm fully expecting to get enough asparagus to to meet our needs certainly for the summer half the year and in subsequent years we should get enough asparagus to fill our needs for the whole year and potentially with some to sell so that's a great crop second one is something I've already mentioned and that is kale we planted a row of kale two years ago and it's overwintered and we've basically used it as a cut and come again crop for vegetables for leafy vegetables like spinach and equivalent and it's still going two years later and it's as strong as ever so kale's a great plant because it's got two parts it's got the stem and the leaf you treat them both differently and you can actually serve it up as two different vegetables on a plate they look very different taste very different so um, kale is a great perennial vegetable and it's actually got a place in our vegetable plot with our annuals the second and third are both artichokes 
they're actually not related but they've got uh, the artichoke in the name so that's the globe artichoke and the jerusalem artichoke they're very very different plants now a globe artichoke flowers you can put it in the in the corner of a border flower bed and it wouldn't look out of place which is in fact what we've done we've got four or five scattered around our flower beds and it produces beautiful globe artichoke vegetables every single year and again that's a perennial it will go on and on and the second one jerusalem artichoke strictly speaking it's more of an annual but it can be grown as a perennial if you've ever tried to grow jerusalem artichokes as an annual then you'll be familiar with the situation that they're actually quite difficult to get rid of once you've got them because they're so prolific the edible part is a tuber under the ground you need to think of them really very much like a potato they grow like a potato so once you've planted them and we planted some last year and i have just left them in the ground that year for those tubers to spread and this year we shall dig and bring some of them up and by pure chance without me trying i'm certain that there will be some left behind and they will grow every every year so literally it's just a case of harvesting from here on in i planted them on the edge of our pig wood the idea being that they'll spread into the wood as well and there'll be tubers for the pigs to forage for so for us they're a dual purpose crop in that way and the final one is rhubarb rhubarb is a fantastic plant it is so generous we inherited a couple of plants when we moved here they're huge and those two plants alone produce enough rhubarb for us to meet our needs all year round but also sell a reasonable amount at the side of the road so rhubarb's a great cropping plant we've also picked up five or six small crowns from free cycle someone who wanted them cleared so we took them and i've placed them somewhere else we're going to leave them another year but that'll give us another source of rhubarb because we can't meet the demand we've got at our little stall at the side of the road so we're going to have a lot more to sell next year hopefully next thing next section rather is vines fruit trees and berry bushes and things like that now here you really are spoiled for choice a lot of them i'm sure you'll be familiar with as always i'm talking about uh temperate climate so things might change slightly based on where you are I'm, as you're aware, in the UK, so do a bit of research on what the best varieties of these things are for you. Something to be aware of whenever you're planting a fruit tree or a vine or something like that is you need to make sure if you're only planting one that it's self-pollinating. So, for instance, we have a kiwi here. I can't remember the name of the variety, but the variety we chose was very specifically one that would A, grow in our um, temperate climate, but B would be self-pollinating so that one plant would be enough. So I've mentioned kiwi. Another great one is grapes. These are something else that we acquired. They were already here. They were actually in a bit of overgrown land and we didn't know they were there. We cut it all back. And while I was debating what to do with it the following spring, these grapevines shot up. And I've just recently in the last few days built a structure for them to grow up and over. So we've inherited those. We all know about the, what I'm going to call the sort of standard garden variety of fruit. We're talking apples, pears, plums and that kind of thing. So one thing to be aware of is that you should be able to dry these. So we dry a hell of a lot of our fruit. We have more than enough from each of our trees to supply our need. 
and we get gluts of these when they're in season so we tend to dry them and that keeps us going through the winter you can also freeze them and can them we've got lots of berries and I've acquired most of our berries from FreeCycle for free so I'm very very happy about that we've got red currants black currants gooseberries uh, blackberries strawberries and raspberries and these are plants again that will come back every single year they're great for the kids again we tend to have gluts of these and these freeze really well so that's how we tend to preserve our berries we also make a lot of cordials jams preserves and fruit leathers if you're not familiar with fruit leather it's basically you make it very similar to a jam not quite the same very similar to a jam and then you spread it out very thin on a piece of greaseproof paper or at least this is how I do it and then we put it in the dehumidifier and then you can either leave it as it is smash it into pieces or cut it into strips and it's like a chewy sweet my kids absolutely love it the next section I wanted to talk to you about with regards to edible perennials are nuts now hazelnuts are very prolific they're so easy to go foraging for we didn't have anywhere locally to us that had lots of hazelnuts for me to forage and when I say local I mean within walking distance of the property so what I have done is I've planted a load of hazelnuts that I foraged from slightly further away and we've got about 15 little hazel plants growing now they're going to take a few years before they crop but you know thinking long term I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that we've bought an almond tree and we acquired a nicely established black walnut tree so we've got hazelnuts almonds and walnuts here one thing to be aware of with nuts is squirrels it's very very difficult to stop the squirrels getting there first so you've got three options if your trees are small enough you can net the whole tree out that's quite tricky not always practical can make your own harvesting difficult so that's option one option two is obviously pest control which you can do with traps or an air rifle and option three which is quite ingenious and and i've tried this this year so i'll have to let you know in the autumn how it went but if you and this is something i found online i can't remember where i got it so i can't quote the source unfortunately but if you bury a little four inch pipe under the ground next to the tree and leave one end slightly exposed chances are the squirrel will find it and all he's looking for is somewhere to hide his nuts so he will use that to hide the nuts for himself at which point you can let him do the harvesting for you and then come along and take the nuts now i suggest that you look at this one of two ways um, there's only two ways to do it humanely really i don't think it's particularly humane to let a squirrel starve to death in the middle of winter so in my opinion you want to do one of two things you want to do this along with a pest control measure so you are actively ending the squirrels as humanely as possible alongside this or what i'm going to do is i'm just going to take half the nuts so i think that's a fair deal i'm growing nuts for the squirrel he's harvesting them for me and we split the produce we'll have to see how that works out the last the final thing is mushrooms and 
you can buy impregnated plugs that are impregnated with the spores of things like oyster mushrooms and lion's mane mushrooms, etc., etc. But if you're a bit of a forager like I am, you can actually find your own mushrooms and bring them back and leave them to drop their spores on the logs yourself. This is particularly good with oyster mushrooms. Oysters are very, very prolific at propagating their spores. So they're a great one to find in the wild, bring back and allow to propagate your own logs. So there you go. There is my rundown of the really important edible perennials, the ones that sort of come to my mind straight away for ones that you should be thinking about and finding room for if you can. And I will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. If you find these podcasts valuable, there's several ways you can support them. The easiest is to leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. The other ways you can help us are by sending it to someone else, try and introduce it to new listeners, or blog about it, or include it in some way you post online. All the ways you support us really make a difference. Thanks for your help. See you on the next one.